Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Father, on this this week uh, where we will all stop and we will sit down around a table with people we love and we will give thanks, we want to thank you first. Lord, we want to start with you. And God, I thank you today for the simple fact that you are here. God, whenever we gather in your name, you're here. And I thank you that that means with, with you here, Lord, the, the love that we're looking for is right here in this place. Father, healing that we need emotionally, Lord, just uh, to grow beyond our circumstances. God, to wake up, to live. Father, it's here because you are here. And, and Father, I thank you that you are not somewhere off in the clouds waiting for the world, world history to end. Lord, you are with your people, and I thank you that that you come to do something today in every single one of us, and God, for that, we just say thank you. We thank you that our God is the living God, that, Father, you have loved us with everlasting love, God, that, that, that you died to save us, to cleanse us, to make us new. So, Father, do a bit more of that today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, about seven years ago, Jane and I finally gave in to our kids, okay? Parents, have you ever done that before? You hold out as long as you can, then you give in. We gave in about seven years ago, and we got our kids a dog, all right? Um, Yeah, this is our dog. Um, And if you've ever seen Star Wars, this dog looks like one of the Ewoks. If you put a cape and a hood, and this dog could walk around, it looks like one of the Ewoks. So, um, we, we, we bought this dog named Remy, and Harrison and Noah and I went to go get Remy in South Carolina. We were in Charlotte at the time. We drove all the way down there. And so Noah and I got into this habit of walking the dog um, together. And so one day we're, we were out on the, uh, the Greenway in Charlotte, which is kind of a beautiful tree-lined gravel, uh, you know, strewn path. So we're walking, and Every dog is different, but in general, you can say this. Uh, big dogs, when they walk, they lumber. You know, they just big paws slap. Medium-sized dogs kind of trot. <laughs> Little dogs prance, you know. And, and I don't know if, if you've ever seen Lady and the Tramp. They got this breed of dog perfectly. Remy walks, and she just kind of swishes and sways. And so she's prancing around, and Noah's got the leash. <laughs> and probably half a mile into this walk, Noah stops. He's only, he looks up at me, and he says, Dad, and Remy's a girl. Hers thinks hers is awesome, but hers is really not, <laughs> um, which is very true about this dog. She, this dog thinks she is something. Um, I say that because sometimes this, this can happen in ministry. Every now and then, you run into a minister who's gotten a bit too big for his britches, um, yeah, some of you laugh because you know it's true. Um, maybe, maybe this minister had too much success too early, and it just went to his head. Um, you know, maybe the minister has gotten intoxicated on the compliments of, of just people throughout the church. Maybe the minister fell in love with the spotlight, you know, and just has fallen into this mindset where he really believes in his heart, in his mind, that everything revolves around him. He can sit here and preach about Jesus, but it's all about him. It happens sometimes in ministry to people. And I bring that up today 
Because some people say that this is how it is with the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul writes to us with the confidence of the Lord, and Paul's real honest, but Paul says some things, you know, which basically say to us, I'm God's man. You know, Paul says to us in Scripture, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm your example. Um, he, he comes off very clearly as a spiritual authority, and he speaks with authority. And it's easy to look at someone like Paul and go, you know, here's this guy. You know, he, he's writing books of the Bible. You know, he's planting the very first churches. I mean, he's, he's really the first missionary we see. He's this pioneer for God. And, and, and as we pointed out a couple of weeks in Romans, you know, Paul is a guy who not only proclaims the Word of God, he performs the Word of God, and, and maybe all of this has just gotten to Paul. But as you stop and you really take a look at this guy's life in Scripture, you read what he says about himself, um, and even as you land especially on Romans 16, there's just no way that theory holds. In fact, Romans 16 blows this theory apart that Paul thinks Paul is really awesome. Listen to this. Romans 16, 1 through 4, and then verses 7 through 13. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church in Chetrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. Uh, they are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another friend who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. Now, but before I explain, let me, let me just give you one side note that has nothing to do with the passage. Um, these, I, I've been to seminary and studied Greek, but I, I had to really spend some time learning how to pronounce all these names again. And uh, so this week I'm working through and I'm reading the passage to Jane. And when I got to, uh, when I got to Tryphena and Tryphosa, I said Tryphexus. That's a flea medication for my dog, okay? So I knew when I read that, I almost, I almost looked up at you to see if you were laughing. Um, but, but just as you hear this, okay, you, you've just heard Paul's words, okay? And hopefully as you heard his words, you also heard his heart. And you really saw his heart here. The Apostle Paul is not some bloated, self-absorbed, it's all about me kind of, kind of guy. You know, he, he is not loud and proud, you know, strutting around like a peacock, you know, check, check me out, folks. Instead, what Paul has going on, and you see this in a lot of his books, Paul has a scrolling who's who list going through his mind. Does everybody know what uh, who's who is? Um, some of the younger folks might not. Back, at, back in the day, it may still be out there, 
but there was an annual that was published, and it was called Who's Who, and it was people in your area, my area, who are prominent in the community, who have made a difference. But Paul's got a list like this in his mind of people who have made a difference. You know, Paul is intensely aware that there are other people beside himself that are working hard for the kingdom of God, that that are making a difference for Jesus out there. Paul knows that he is only one member of a much larger contributing Christian community. He's got that. He's got that at all times going on. And so, so we might ask, okay, well, Paul, who are these people that you list? And there are a couple of famous folks in there, but y'all, for the most part, the people Paul lists here and in the other books, they're not like these gigantic, famous Christian heavyweights who are all around the globe, you know, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and and Billy Graham. The people that that Paul brings up, they're local people. They're, They're people that you find in any church, in every church. They are everyday Christians. And the folks he lists, they are on all different kind of rungs of the ladder. You know, economically, some of them are way up here. Uh, some of them are way down here. Socially, you know, some are big timers. Some are folks that people can't even remember their names. But Paul's point is that all of these people have come together, and they have formed one spiritual family now. All of these are in the family of God. And although, granted... Most of these names are literally foreign to us. Their collective makeup is very familiar. In other words, the people that we read about, y'all, this is us. I mean, these people are us. Listed here are are citizens of the day in Rome, okay? You've got, um, in, in the Roman church, you've got some household slaves, and you've got a whole bunch of free people. Um, you've got social elites in the Church of Rome, like uh, the grandson of Herod the Great, worshipped in the Roman church. How cool is that? You've got members of the imperial Roman household that were in the Roman church. You, you also have Christian Jews, and you've got Christian Gentiles. You've got spiritual legends in this church, at least one, um, Rufus. You, you all know who Rufus is, right? Well, Rufus is the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross of Jesus up to Golgotha. But y'all, every one of them, all all 26 people on Paul's list is a person of prominence in Paul's life. They are a big deal in the church. All of them matter. All of them rate. All of them make the church what it is. Even the nine women that Paul mentions. You know, I, I don't know where you stand on women in the church and women in ministry, but Paul mentions nine women here, and it, it at least says this much to the American church, that the church in Rome, was it really was not a good old boys club. It, it was a church about everyone. I, I love what John Stott says about this. He says, um, Paul was never the male chauvinist of popular, family, uh, uh, pop, popular fantasy. Together, there were women of great giftedness, spiritual strength, and status in the church of Rome. But, but the point is that together, they with everyone, that, that they just make this spiritual force for Jesus Christ. 
They are the first church. They are this first wave after Pentecost that's taken over the the Middle East. And so so Paul lists them out for us. You know, he kind of calls them out, tells us a few of them, and I I won't go over all of them, but first of all, we have Phoebe, who is is a female uh, deacon or at least servant in the church. She's probably the one who delivered Paul's Paul's letter of, of Romans to the Romans, and Paul says, this woman has been a great help to me. She is so worthy of, of your help and your hospitality. You have Priscilla and Aquila, a, a man and woman, perhaps a married couple, co-laborers, Paul said, who put their life on the line for me. We have Andronicus and, and Junia, a man and woman, who, who Paul says, you know, you talk about deep in Christ, these two have known Christ a lot longer than I have. They are deep in the Lord, and they are big-time apostles. Now, I know apostles, can, can big A apostle, are those who have seen the Lord, but he's referring to that five-fold gifting, this office, this ministry, this apostolic ministry in the church, and, and he's saying, oh, I commend these guys to you. They even did time with me in prison. And it's kind of strange that Paul would bring that up, you know, because uh, serving a nickel, you know, serving time, that, that has kind of a negative connotation in, in our world. You know, we think, oh, my gosh, you were in prison. That means you can't vote. You know, you probably have a hard time getting a job. But here it's an incredible badge of honor. But this is the kind of service these two have for the Lord. Urbanus, uh, a, another fellow minister. Stachus, Paul says, one of my best friends. And I love that Paul just throws out there. Here's just one of my best friends in Jesus. There's Apelles, another person who has stood up for Christ in times of intense persecution and opposition. This guy didn't wilt. He didn't run away. The entire household of Narcissus. And that's cool because he's not just talking about, you know, uh, Narcissus, his wife, and his family. He's talking about all the servants, the entire estate. Here's a whole family, a, a whole estate that's like a city set on a hill for Jesus. And then Tryphena, Tryphosa, not Tryphexus, and Persis. Um, but these three women who work so hard in the Lord. And then, of course, we have Rufus and his mother. And I, I love that Paul says, and his mother has been a second mother to me. These are people, Paul says, who risked everything. They helped in any way they could. This church together, you know, you think about leadership in the church. Paul is saying, here's a whole church that's leading the way. Here's a whole church that's serving in Jesus' name. Some are apostles and deacons, official titles, but many are just folks in the pews who get up and, man, they just, they go for God. And so the question is, well, why does Paul call them out? You know, is it, well, he's at the end of Romans and he's kind of run out of material and he's, you know, got one more page and he might as well fill it up with something. No, Paul is acknowledging them. Paul is saying thank you. And and what we see on Paul's part again is that by acknowledging them, he doesn't think that the church revolves around him. Paul knows he could never do what he does for Jesus alone. But he's also doing it for, for the church's benefit. He wants the church to understand that together they are one. And each person, each person in the church is so valuable. And I I love his wording here, you know, through 16. He keeps using these little phrases like, we are 
in the Lord. We are in Christ. We are brothers and sisters. And his point to the church that he's writing to is, look, we are bound together in the grace of God, in the mission of God, in the service of God. We are fueled together by the love of God and the power of God's Spirit. And so on one hand, Paul is conferring dignity on the church. You know, as I think Harrison said in his video, or maybe it was Mark, um, he, he is honoring him and her to whom honor is due. But he really wants to make the Roman church, in the midst of all their busyness and all their ministry, he wants them to stop for a second and look around the room and realize not that they are looking at spiritual greatness in Paul, but they are surrounded by spiritual greatness in one another. It kind of goes back to what Paul was talking about last week with the Roman church when he says, oh, I myself, I myself are convinced that you are full of goodness and you're even able to teach one another, but he wants them to know that. So he wants them to look beyond his strength and sacrifice to the wisdom and the goodness around them. So Paul's encouraging the church and he's thanking the church. Now, that is what we've been trying to do today as a staff. Um, you know, we, as we approach Thanksgiving, we said, let's do something a little different this week. Why don't we stop and just say thank you to our church? You know, Paul's doing it. The timing is perfect. Paul is doing it in Romans 16. We want to do it. And so if you've been here for the whole service, you've seen little bits of that, you know, where someone will pop up and just say thank you. And um, we got just a few more of these to take us home. But as you, as you watch these last few, I pray that the dignity, the honor, the encouragement, the love, and the oneness we have in Christ just hit you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.